0: you today
1: dude i'm doing good yeah long day of uh planning some stuff out and i think productive it's always it always feels good to be productive
0: that's cool um so if you're listening yes you heard me say reed not father poirier um reed is our youth minister you've been here since august right
1: Uh, Beginning of September was the official start
0: date. Okay, so beginning of September, Father Poirier, as many of you may have heard, his grandmother passed away, so he's with family this week, and then he'll be out, I think, the next couple of weeks, so we won't have an episode next week because of Thanksgiving, Um, and then I think the week after that, we'll have another staff member in um, who just started as well. So um, we're interviewing Reed, our new youth minister, today, and Reed just got married. I did just get married. Yeah. Like you got married and then became a youth minister.
1: Yeah, it was kind of in the in the midst of getting married that this whole youth ministry thing came up. It actually came up during marriage prep with Paul George, who, you know, we were going
0: through marriage prep with him and his wife, Gretchen. and. Oh, yeah. You know. Paul George did your marriage prep. He's a pretty good guy to do that yeah yeah he i mean did, they seem like they have well. a solid marriage I would,
1: say, yeah, I would say i would say it was successful i learned a couple things here and there sure I learned about some some old wounds that i needed to face before i got married you know um thanks paul
0: yep yeah. uh if you don't know paul paul and gretchen are parishioners of ours paul was a youth minister for years he uh yeah he did all the youth ministry things for uh longer than he would probably care to admit because that would date him. Yeah. <laughs> um, and he has enough children to have developed his own youth ministry program. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's got one more than me, so I don't have much room to talk. Yeah, right. Um, so how did you and Leah meet? So
1: um, me and Leah, uh, we met doing core team at St. Pius. Mm. So it's kind of ironic that I ended up coming back here because, uh, yeah, so I had went on a retreat and I was really, you know, thirsting to like come back to the faith and take it more seriously in the midst of college and so i just so happened to have a guy in my small group who was a core member at saint pius and so i asked him to get me involved and i met leah and we were we were just good friends for like two three years and then uh i finally had the courage to make a move
0: and Mm. uh yeah it looked like that move turned out all right
1: yeah it, it worked out well i had um I prayed about it a lot because I mean we were friends for a while and I mean she you know uh, yeah I would always go to her for for girl advice and yeah at some point she was like read I'm not the person to go to for advice and I remember even Father Sibley I would go to him for spiritual direction Father Sibley was the pastor at Our Lady of Wisdom for a while while I was there and he uh, he was like you know read I think it would be a good idea if you surround yourself with women who you're, you know, for sure not going to date. You know, it's a good idea to just surround yourself with holy women who you know you're not going to date. It was like, oh, like, uh, Leah, and, you know, and he was like, no, no, not Leah. Like, that's a horrible example. And it's funny, I think he, he probably
0: saw something. He was already picking up.
1: Yeah, <laughs> and uh, quite a few others, even the kids who were at Life Teen at that time, uh, whenever they heard they were we were dating,
0: it wasn't even like, there was they no shock value. at all, yeah. yeah. They, <laughs> everybody expected it except for y'all.
1: Yeah, I mean, they all came up to me at Cove Crest, which is like the big camp in the summer. They came up to me and were like, so, bro, when are you going to make a move on Leah? You know, it's like everybody was seeing it before I was.
0: Mm. Well, was Even she Leah.
1: seeing it? Yeah, she was too. Yeah, yeah. okay.
0: Yeah. yeah. She's a pretty smart uh, individual.
1: Yeah, that's why whenever I was like going to her for girl advice, she was like, read stop coming to me for girl advice i'm not the one to be talking to about this Mm. and i kind of got a hint it's like huh
0: she was picking it up yeah so y'all were friends for two or three years and then y'all dated for how long
1: dated for a year actually she told me not to propose within a year um and out of my pettiness i proposed at 364 days so just right
0: under a year so okay so how'd you propose so before you say that i'm going to tell you how um, no, never mind. We'll we'll just we'll keep it about you.
1: What, how you how'd propose? you propose?
0: No. All right. Um, yeah, we'll save that story for another. All right. day. Alright,
1: sounds good. I would have been interested.
0: Uh I was yeah. gonna actually tell you how I got our number, but Okay. yeah, yes. the proposal was pretty simple. <laughs> it was on the beach, I didn't lose the ring in the sand. Like oh, that, that was good. that was the thing that I was concerned about. Yeah. Yeah. My heart I mean, was racing a mile a million miles a minute and I couldn't breathe.
1: I once you get there, you just you just gotta get it out. Like yeah. I uh we, we had gone to New Orleans with our family d- around Christmas time. And we were like, I knew it was the day I was gonna propose. It was the day before our anniversary. And, you know, kind of assumed that she would think I was gonna propose on the anniversary. So uh, anyway, we we're going to uh, like Christmas in the Oaks in New Orleans, like uh, at City Park. It's like you basically drive through this light show and then you can go into the botanical gardens, which are really beautiful decorations for Christmas and everything. So there's just gonna be a really pretty scene to be able to propose in. Well, so we go out to eat, you know, just like you said, my heart's like racing. I can't even eat. I for the first time ever I got a salad at dinner and like just kind of stirred it the whole time. You know, like I wasn't I wasn't eating at all. Even like some of the Appetite me was out. gone. Oh yeah, it was gone. And they like called me out, they're like, you know. You can't eat a salad, you know. Anyway, so we finally get to the Christmas in the Oaks thing. And I didn't think about the fact that we would be in the car this whole time. Me and Lee are sitting next to each other and I have this huge bulky box. I should have taken the ring out of the box. Mm. If any guys are listening who haven't proposed yet... Take the ring out of the box.
0: Amateur move. Yeah, yeah. it was an
1: amateur move. I didn't I didn't. Uh, <laughs> Which is good, actually, by inventors. the way. Yeah, right. Like I did it was before. <laughs> yeah, I you're was, not a pro at it. First time around. So anyway, it's like, you know, this big bulky box in my pocket while she's like, you know, putting her arm around me and stuff. We finally get out of the car and we go to the gate of the botanical gardens to get in. And it turns out you had to purchase tickets online. And we did not do that
0: so Mm. they all turned towards me at this point they're like
1: so what would y'all like to do with kind of big eyes looking at me like what would y'all like to do
0: so everybody knew at this point except for leah
1: yeah so i was with her whole family and it was just leah was the only one who she she pretty much knew sure but yeah she was the only one who wasn't supposed to know so i was like um let's just go get some coffee at cafe du Monde." the second she walked away and she went to the bathroom i was like look i don't care where it is just, like, get me in front of a tree or something. Like, I, I I'm, it's time to get this over with. You know, my heart's pounding. I'm ready to, like,
0: eat. I keep I'm checking to, to see if I lost the ring.
1: Yeah, I'm, like, you know, super scared that she's going to see this big box in my pocket. So, anyway, we, we went under a pavilion that was nearby, and I proposed. and um, Super nerve-wracking, but the second I got it done with, I was super relieved. And, um, yeah, I have no clue what I said or what I did. I just, like, got on a knee and, uh, and asked the big question but then we got back, the surprise was she wasn't surprised about me proposing but she was surprised that we had kind of organized some of her childhood friends to come and meet us at uh, the Airbnb that we were staying at oh, and that's so cool. whenever we walked in Leah walked in first and all of her old friends were there uh, waiting for her, so, so that was fun and we just we just had a blast we just celebrated
0: that's cool yeah. So not even six months yet, huh? Are since
1: we're since we've been married, yeah. No, it's been uh, I think it's four months tomorrow.
0: Nice. Yeah. 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 We kept pushing your interview back because how you had to go get married before you could.
1: Yeah, right. Yeah, right. For the <laughs> youth ministry job. Yep. Yeah. Because we had it had came up about a month before I got married, and then. Um, I think it was like the week that I was getting married, Father Brady emailed me and I was like, well, I'm getting married this week and going on a honeymoon. He was like, oh yeah, don't reply. Just, yeah. just do your thing we'll talk about it later.
0: Yeah, I remember being on the committee and him saying, yeah, well, okay, we're gonna have to wait for that. So, <laughs> um, but, uh, well, okay, so let's back up. Okay. Um, tell me about your journey to, you know, in Catholicism, like what's your faith experience been like? Have you always loved the Lord? Um, I mean we don't have to like dig deep in your I know we're in a confessional <laughs> but you don't Do people have to confess that you all
1: been recording in a
0: confessional? Yeah, the first time we the first time we recorded and I, we 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 mentioned that um we mentioned that it was probably the first time that um a recording had ever happened in in the confessional <laughs> and uh and I think we've said it a couple of times. So yeah. but uh, Yeah,
1: this is perfect. The walls.
0: Yeah. So if you're tuning in and you miss those episodes we record in father poirier's confessional because the confessionals have literally been acoustically treated so that sound can't go out of them that way it's the privacy and the seal of confession right um and it just makes for a perfect echo free room to be able to record in. it's literally a sound studio
1: yeah i've been uh recording like i've had quite a few podcasts and this is definitely like this feels right yeah like it, it the sound
0: doesn't bounce off of anywhere there's yeah it's cool so so but, back to we're so, in a confessional but you don't have to confess
1: right right yeah but, but, but literally sure. like i mean have
0: like you it. uh have you like where did your faith journey begin
1: yeah so i would say that so i went to catholic school um all throughout you know
0: growing up and so I went to California so in Iberia. Okay. Yeah. So I
1: was I was in New all Iberia. All the way in the
0: Barrie. So we so, got a Scott priest and a Barry youth minister.
1: That's right. Yep. Yeah. Um and so Yeah, it was kinda I didn't really take the faith seriously at all. I uh, I always enjoyed like retreats and you know, life teen. Like it was all for the fun though. You know I uh I think if they would have challenged me Early on, to uh, you know, really change my life, or you know, called me out about you know something that I was doing, I probably wouldn't have accepted it. But it was a very lighthearted. I love the lighthearted stuff. I love the retreats and stuff like that. But whenever I was a junior, uh, I had I felt like my first teacher, who was willing to just like put the book away, and he would just spend ten minutes every class, just like, what questions do you have? Who was that? Uh, this is uh, Nicholas Trossclair. And I've actually, okay. I've sent him my
0: testimony b- before cool. because his class was, do you know? Him? I, I know who he is. I don't, yeah. I don't know that I know him personally. Yeah. So my best I, friend taught at I mean. Catholic High, but you're probably too young to have been taught by him. So okay. yeah, Wes Robinson. Yeah. You know Wes? Yeah. yeah. I, don't, I don't know. He was a former youth minister as well.
1: Okay. Um, so yeah, he was the, this was the first class where I really was like, I guess learned a lot about. And connected some of the dots and I started, I guess, coming to the realization that there's a there's a reason to these things in the faith. Like, it wasn't just like a list of rules, you know, the whole like, you know, I thought mass was I thought it was odd that it was so boring. Like, why does mass have to be so boring? You know? And uh it wasn't until... Chris
0: Stefanik, you know Chris is? Yeah. Uh, he's, totally. a, he's a Catholic speaker. He says that if Jesus wanted to entertain us, he would have been crucified at the halftime show of a su- <laughs> Super Bowl game. Right? <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, he would have waited till there was TV and stuff. Yeah, 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 100%. That yeah. wasn't the point. Though.
0: He'd have yeah. gone on American Idol. It would have been like, you know, Universal Idol or, you know, right. Heavenly yeah. Idol or... Okay, I'm being silly now.
1: <laughs> yeah, but I mean that was that was my mindset that like you know mass is so boring and you know sitting in silence is boring and uh, but in this class I started realizing that there was a reason to these uh, to these rules to these to this way of life. There is a reason why you know the sacraments were instituted. There's a reason why the Catholic Church interpreted scripture and said. Uh, Yeah, we think Jesus is being serious here that like he's going to be in this bread like that he's this is real. And uh, I guess for the first time, I thought it was reasonable. I didn't necessarily take action at this point, though.
0: Okay, so you're a junior in high school at this point.
1: Right. So going through confirmation. So there was there was quite a few different things that were that were coming in. My parents had just gotten a divorce. And um, obviously, like that uh, was a surprising situation for me and like the, the community in general and um so that had a lot to do with my maturity at that time because i decided that i want to make sure that i play my cards right like i don't want to have to go through a divorce i don't want to have to um you know I guess deal with, was some of the issues I was watching my parents deal with, you know, and they they were amazing parents and they still are to this day. They're both amazing, but um, but it was a it was a time in my life where I was really starting to to mature in the way I looked at life. I was saying, you know, how can I prepare myself now to be better for the future, and you know, I started seeing Catholicism was reasonable. The whole idea of waiting until marriage, I was like, you know, this kind of makes sense. Like it makes sense that, you know, it's only supposed to be with one person your whole life and things like that. And so I started taking it more, a little bit more seriously, although I didn't, once I got to college, I really didn't, you know, I kind of fell away. I didn't practice a whole lot, kind of surrounded my, I didn't form a good community. So I surrounded myself with people who did not go to church and were very openly against uh, organized religion and was dating a girl for a long time who, um, although we were both claimed Catholic, neither one of us went to church or was really involved in it at all and um so anyway all of us kind of developed similar sins uh we really got into that together so about the second year of college i really started realizing i really started feeling called to like start going back to church and praying more and so i i would pray to god you know i kind of talk to him a little bit and uh and i felt i actually, like really wanted to get involved at St. Pius. I just moved in with my grandparents um, while I was in college, and I really wanted to get involved at St. Pius. But I felt like with the friends that I had, with the relationship that I had, I didn't feel like I was going to be able to really thrive in a church setting. Like I wasn't willing. They were they were I guess holding me back. Like I didn't feel like I had the freedom to go forward with that calling that God was calling me to like get involved again okay and uh and i actually saw you at mass a while back at the old church and say Pius. i had gone to mass this one time you know the my pizza hut church yeah
0: right it looks like pizza. That's hut. pretty accurate yeah. yeah Uh here we are the ugliest church in the diocese yeah right that then morphed into the beautiful most one of the most beautiful churches yeah in the diocese. yeah my favorite yeah <laughs> sorry any other church I just I really like
1: pious but um yeah I'd come and you know it was the first time I kind of like broken away from them for a little bit I was like yeah let me go spend a Sunday I really wanted to go talk to John Ray uh, because I had heard you know I asked somebody next to me I was like hey like you know do you know who I can talk to about youth ministry and they pointed at you and I was going to wait to talk to you after mass but then you're super popular, so you were talking to a lot of people, and I was like, "All right, you
0: know what?" So, if we have any listeners who um, just have um, started listening and maybe are new to P- newer to Pius, I didn't always just stay in a closet, moving cameras around and recording in a confessional, not hearing confessions. I used to be the youth minister at Pius, if you didn't know right. that. Yeah,
1: and so at the time, uh, this must have been 2018. Um, I was I was kind of seeking it but I guess I was so and this have
0: been steps. right when I was transitioning out of youth ministry
1: yeah I guess so yeah this is definitely like right before the last we year, James. The, one of the last years that the old church was mm-hmm. was being used so I didn't take action you know I didn't feel like waiting I you know didn't really know what it took to uh, to really per, uh, persevere uh, with the calling, but the call was on probably
0: heart. on core team at that
1: point. Yeah, she was. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, maybe God this whole time was just trying to set me up with Leah, you know, and uh, I just didn't answer it immediately. But after time, I kind of like resumed my life, hanging out with my friends, uh, continued dating the girl. And then, uh, eventually I felt, uh, you know, God kind of gave me the courage to officially like in the relationship. Uh, father Sibley told me in confession one time, uh where you do really need to get rid of your friends and uh it's something along those lines but i took that brutally i was like that was so messed up whatever but he was right i mean like i really didn't set myself up with a good community as I distanced myself from them and I went on that retreat that I mentioned earlier, um, I ended up meeting a good crew of people who were, you know, one guy was involved over here at St. Pius on core team. He got me involved on core team. I met one of my best friends who became my best man in my wedding. Um, and we just started journeying together, just a group of guys journeying together. That's cool. And uh, yeah, yeah, that's where the switch happened. That's where it was like, all right, if I. If I do believe this whole, like, Jesus is in the Eucharist, why aren't I trying to spend, like, every day with him?
0: Mm.
1: You know, like, why am I letting myself, you know, sin every single day and never receive the Eucharist? You know, I go to Mass and never receive, and it's like, why aren't I willing to take the steps to get rid of the sin so that I can receive the Eucharist every day? If this is something that's offered... So the Eucharist was always big in my, in my life. Sure. And so... Um, now at this point, doing youth ministry, the Eucharist is huge to me. It's like, Mm -hmm. I want to expose the kids to the Eucharist as much as possible. Because, yeah, as I was like, that's the question that came up during my conversion, when every time I was feeling called to take that next step, um, I felt like it was basically saying, I mean, do you want to receive the Eucharist this Sunday? You know? Um, You know, if you were standing in front of Jesus, like, how would you react? And um and the more i found out that you could go to like eucharistic adoration and stuff the more i started doing it and i continued growing and uh yeah that's cool it's been it's been a crazy ride sure i mean christianity is not a yeah easy road
0: not at all um okay so that's your story and that's how you you get here um um as we i guess kind of start to just wrap up like what's your hope with for youth ministry here
1: yeah, for the kids to fall in love with the Eucharist. Mm-hmm. I think if I expose them to the Eucharist, I think I did my job. Mm.
0: Teach you them know? who the Eucharist is. What's that? I said teach them who the Eucharist is. Yeah, mm-hmm. who it is.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, because I mean, like let
0: Jesus do the talking. I told the parents Sunday that that was one of my favorite things about doing youth ministry. It was uh, providing opportunities to have Eucharistic adoration Um, because I I said, you know, we could go on a weekend retreat and I could literally stand up there and whistle all weekend long and then we could have adoration and hearts would move.
1: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Totally. Um, And that's what it's all about. So, yeah, find an opportunity. And of course, like if we did adoration every single life night, you know, kids, you know, might not come as much or they might not even understand what they're doing. So there does have to be teaching, you know, the uh, there, there does have to be catechesis and there has to be community building. It's it definitely has to be a holistic program, but ultimately it's always kind of guiding them to, to really trust and have faith in the Eucharist. Sure. Um, so yeah, this, like you just mentioned this past Sunday, you know, we did Eucharistic adoration. Now, I was so pumped about it. I mean, that was, you know, the point is kind of for that to be the highlight of the semester Yeah, is, is the Eucharistic adoration. And, uh, and I think it was the kids who came, I think, I think really awesome things happened. It was yeah. a beautiful night.
0: You have gotten some positive feedback.
1: Yeah. Yeah. There was even a kid who, uh, who never showed up to anything, but because confirmation candidates at St. Pius are required to have five holy hours, um, some of the confirmation kids came. We, we kind of presented it to all the confirmation kids like, hey, this is a good opportunity to get your first holy hour in. And uh, yeah, so there's a few confirmation kids. Well, one of the kids ended up coming to a guy's night the next night. You know, so I don't even know how, you know, who invited him, but I was just so grateful to see that, you know, this kid who is in confirmation is now kind of getting involved. And he seemed to click really, with the other guys really well. And, uh, and I think he was seeking community. Um, but he hadn't found it yet in life yet. He had just moved back into town. Okay. So um, I think he was he was seeking community, and after adoration, he was like, "All right, I need to need to start getting involved a little bit more." Or at least that's how I perceived him.
0: Sure. And. Uh, that's cool.
1: But yeah, and I mean, you know, every little comment that was made, I feel like was you know, kids kind of surprised that they were that they enjoyed it you know they were surprised that it was actually a
0: a nice night you know that's cool so um if i'm a parent um tell me when can my kids get involved like at what age what grades um how do i go about finding information who do i contact all those things
1: yeah those are great questions um first through fifth grade is uh, kind of testing me a little bit first through fifth grade we have young saints um, this is led by Mary Hendeling and uh, a group of parents who have kids that are involved in Young Saints. Uh, so that's for 1st and 5th grade. That's, I think, 9.15 to 10.15.
0: On Sunday mornings. On Sunday
1: mornings. Yeah. Um, EDGE is for 6th through 8th graders. Um, that's led by Megan Scott, who does an amazing job. She's uh, a senior in college and just got engaged. And she's doing great. That's at.
0: Uh, oh, she's engaged.
1: She's engaged. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. I'm pretty sure that's public information. I think it was okay for me to say that. Well, I mean, you better make sure it is because yeah. this is going live. <laughs> no, it should be fine. Um, pretty sure they posted it on Instagram. Okay, know? on um, the gram. On the gram. So yeah, so she leads that,
0: and she was one of my students. Yeah, that, that's right. That's really cool to she hear. She she's engaged
1: Yeah, she would actually just graduated. Whenever mm-hmm. I joined.
0: I think she so, actually but, may have started an edge with me. Really? And then like came through. I don't think, I think she was like so. a sixth grader in Edge. I think she might have been a seventh or eighth grader when we kind of resurrected the Edge program.
1: Gotcha. Yeah, but she's amazing. She's uh, she's got a she's got a big heart and a lot of knowledge mm-hmm. about the faith. Um, she had
0: a good youth minister. Had, <laughs> I,
1: say,
0: yeah. I say that with all humility. Yeah, right. Hashtag yeah. full of pride. It's
1: hard to be that humble when you're <laughs> that great, huh? Um, so, yeah, she does great. And so she's doing that at the same time that I'm doing Life Teen, which is also from 6 to 7.45 at, on Sunday evenings. Um, so, yeah, we get together and we eat. And then we pl- we usually split the edge in Life Teen. And, you know, us as Life Teen, we, we do a game and then we do a talk. And then either do small groups or some type of journaling reflection. Uh, and usually, really the whole point is to just build relationships with these kids and try to walk with them um, as they kind of learn about the faith, try to pry some curiosity out of them, kind of stir up some thoughts and, uh, and see if they, uh, you know, try to lead them towards uh, Jesus as they seek answers, you know, we're trying to pry the curiosity so that they seek answers, therefore, uh, seeking Jesus. So that's cool. Um, so yeah, I mean, you can go on the St. Pius website you can contact uh, my contact information's on there. Mary Handling's con- contact information's also on there. Um, and about any of the programs, I mean, we can give you all the information you need. You can call us, email us, whatever. I mean, we're excited to have any kids, any teens,
0: involved you know and so if you're listening to this and you're a parent um as a former youth minister it is um always welcomed to be received um so you know if you see reed out and about and i think i I know most of our pictures are on the website i would imagine we have a picture of you right
1: yeah
0: okay so um so go look if you don't know who he is go look him up on the website and then when you see him i I, i've seen you at a lot of our masses not just the 5 p.m on sundays so if you see him out and about or maybe you're you know um you're a parent of a middle school kid who's here at St. Pius you you you'll probably run into him on campus from time to time at different sporting events. And I know that I've seen him at like STM football games on Friday nights and those sorts of things. Go and introduce yourself and ask him how you can help. The biggest thing that a youth minister needs is help. And it's not necessarily just volunteering to be at the Sunday nights and one of the core members. There are a million different ways that a youth minister um, can use help for. And if Reed can't think of one right now, I will help him. (laughs)
1: Yeah, that's what John Ray's role in this. He mentors me, and it's like, all right, you got enough volunteers, get some.
0: So, so. um, well, cool. Uh, Thank you for coming on the podcast. Um, I hope that this helped our parishioners to know a little bit about more about who you are and the ministries that we do. In addition to Life Teen and Edge, I know you have summer camp signups that just opened up. I got a group me message about that.
1: Opened up today.
0: yeah, yeah, I, I thought I'd saw it today.
1: I guess uh it's releasing tomorrow. The podcast is releasing tomorrow. The podca-
0: yeah, the podcast yeah. leas- release on Wednesday morning. It's March. released. Yeah. yeah.
1: Um yeah, we're yeah, it's open. So any kids who want to go to Cove Crest, if you want to learn about Cove Crest, um you know, we'll gladly send you a hype video about it. It's it's awesome. It it definitely changes a lot of lives. I I think there was even a priest that I was talking to recently who had his conversion at Cove Crest.
0: And if your kid didn't want to go, just force them.
1: Yeah, just force them. They won't hate
0: you when they get back. They probably still won't talk to you when they get back, but they won't hate you for it. Yeah. So, um, well, cool. Thank you for coming on. Um, Be sure to share this episode. Um, That way, more people know about what's going on in youth ministry here at St. Pius. Um, If you like our podcast, be sure to follow us or subscribe to us on your podcast listener of choice. We look forward to um, seeing y'all this weekend at mass. God bless.